0: Hi, Kara. Hi, Vanessa. Super excited for this Now What episode because I can totally relate to this listener's question. We heard from a listener who has younger kids, but her question applies across the board for people with kids of all ages. And it's about this. What happens if you are giving your kids information like anatomically correct names and talking about sex and talking about pornography and giving them all sorts of information? And yet, there may be households where their kids' friends live or their classmates live or their teammates live where people are not talking about it. And this parent is wondering how she balances giving her kids the information that she knows is important for them to have with their tendency to maybe let that information flow out in less opportune moments, like her daughter screaming vagina in the supermarket aisle. (laughs) I can totally relate. So I guess the thrust of the question, Cara, is how do we both give our kids information and set boundaries about when and where and how they can talk about that information or share that information or not in other settings?
1: And it's particularly confusing to some kids when we're saying there's no shame in this language and the anatomical language is not bad language. These aren't bad words. You shouldn't be in trouble for using them.
0: You shouldn't be in trouble for using them, but don't use them. Right. So hypocritical. Vagina is never a bad word. And I will tell you, one of my kids didn't call it a vagina. They called it a vagina with a K. Interesting. Yes. Yes, so I was just gonna let that one hang for a minute. (laughs) That's a caveat Um, that has nothing to do with anything.
1: (laughs) So let's start with just the big overarching principle here, which is there's a difference between bad words, bad language, bad concepts, things that are misinformation and not your place to share information. And I think if you use this example as one of many possible examples in that category of it's totally great to talk about. It's not your news to share. It actually sets up a pattern for life that is very protective. What I mean by that is think about how many times in your house, there's a conversation, not about anything related to anything we talk about on this podcast, right? It might be drama at school. It might be, you know, something that's happening in the family. It might be whatever a show you're all watching and it suddenly becomes very apparent to you that it's an amazing conversation in your house and in the wrong audience. It would not be an amazing conversation that you might be judged or you might be very misunderstood or people might think you're very permissive or not permissive or whatever they. And you realize this is a conversation that I want to keep having with my family but my family actually can't have this conversation outside the home. That happens across the board, having nothing to do with body parts, having nothing to do with sex, having nothing to do with periods and puberty and all that. It can happen in lots of different ways. And so I would say that the place to start the answer to our listener is to say, it's a really great muscle to build, to teach your kids how to have open conversations with you that they don't necessarily take outside of your house. So Vanessa, what are some ways that we can communicate that to kids? Because you're, you're like nodding furiously, and no one can see you. I'm thinking, I'm thinking
0: of a particular example.
1: Okay, let's hear your particular example.
0: Well, first of all, this is a constant balance across the board when we talk to kids about complex topics where we're trying to balance the issue of there is no shame. And this isn't a topic that gets talked about everywhere, at every moment, by everyone. So one of the most useful things that adults can use is the concept of different families, different rules. So that applies to how and when families talk about sex or body parts. It applies to how and when people let their kids know the tooth fairy isn't real. It applies to how and when people talk about or allow... you know. Going to parties. So it applies. How about watching different content? My
1: people are so shocked by
0: this. (laughs) You and I
1: are extraordinarily permissive about the content that we let our kids watch, meaning like movies and TV shows that a lot of people might in their homes not be comfortable with. And you and I bond about this all the time. And our listeners might be surprised. We're not asking for your feedback here. We're just sharing openly that risk averse, Cara has much more lenient rules about content and has always, because we all have our own different sort of levers and things that we're comfortable with. And this has always been something that if we're watching it with our kids and we're talking about with our kids, it doesn't really bother us. But in other homes, that would not fly. And actually- It would make some people uncomfortable. So we don't, it's not like, you know, when my kids were little, we would have their friend who was sleeping over watch inappropriate content. But we for sure push certain bounds when it was just the kids and my husband and myself so that we could talk about stuff and laugh about stuff, right? And my husband had that experience when he was growing up, which is how that experience got filtered down. So we all have our thing that we do
0: that another parent would be horrified by. Hopefully we don't do that much that people would be horrified by, it, but we definitely <laughs> do stuff like maybe drop the F bomb occasionally.
1: Hey, it's Kara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their Umbras. It's why we say that the Umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info at myumla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A dot com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend.
0: We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious and I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies.
1: So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor Meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press, pause, or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle.
0: So to order, go to factormeals.com puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator.
1: It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause.
0: We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to com slash puberty, dot com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at bioptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them.
1: Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com puberty and use the code puberty to save $5.
0: So number one is different families, different rules. Number two is that we want to teach our kids that explaining things to them, explaining concepts, defining terms, exploring topics requires context. And kids over time will begin to understand what it means to have context for something. And so we can explain to them, I'm an adult who has lots of lived experience. I'm going to share with you about a particular topic, let's say, you know, what is sex to a 10-year-old, right? And I'm deciding to have that conversation. But what I can also say is, hey, sweetheart, I'm sharing this with you in context. I'm explaining all sorts of stuff around this conversation. If you turn to your friend and explain one piece of what I'm sharing with you, it's out of context. And things out of context get confusing and sometimes frightening and certainly surprising. So helping them understand that it's in context and out of context rather than shameful or not shameful, appropriate or not appropriate. And so that's another thing. So the first thing is different families, different rules. The second thing is what is in context. And then the third thing is, and this can become complicated, is that sometimes kids want the information and they're families or trusted adults are not telling them about that information. And so they come to another adult to get that advice. We've experienced that and we have had workshops where adults have had that experience where a kid has come to them and said, can you tell me what sex is? And that's a hard position to be in. So Cara, how would you handle that? How have you handled that? Because I'm sure you've gotten that question from kids.
1: Well, you know, it's funny that That's the context you bring it up in, because I was going to frame it a little bit differently. It's all the same, which is that some families really want the opportunity to share certain pieces of information themselves. Many families want the opportunity. So especially on the topic of sex, for instance, or body parts, you know, it's important to explain to kids that it's not your news to share, not because it's not true, but because It's that family's news to share. And as you described it in context, in whatever context works for them. So the flip side of that coin is exactly what you're describing, which is when a family has not taken on a certain topic for any number of reasons. Maybe it's proactively, they haven't chosen to take it on because they have very good reasons for that. Or maybe they just didn't realize they had taken it on yet. And that child's really curious. That child may go to another adult or another kid I mean, it's not uncommon. My kids rode the bus from kindergarten to sixth grade. They learned a whole lot of information on the bus, and that information wasn't just randomly dropped in their lap. It was solicited by other kids. There were questions being asked. There was another kid on the bus who had all the answers, supposedly all the answers, although God knows so, what the, all the, the answers wrong were. answers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's really important if you are the recipient of a question that you know you should not be answering for this kid. You may want to answer, you may know the answer, but in your heart, you know this is not for you to answer. It is really important to acknowledge the fact that the kid wants the answer. You know, I would always redirect that kid and say, that is such a great question that I think you should ask your parent. I'll give you my perfect example. I was teaching a fourth grade health education class the entire fourth grade from this school, there were like 50 kids piled into a room, all of their teachers, okay? So the kids should have had some guardrails up. The teachers were standing in the back and just listening to the conversation. And one kid raised their hand and asked, when could they wear thong underwear? Mm. The a great example of a kid. This was a kid who maybe wanted the information, maybe just wanted to push me. I don't mm-hmm. know. And my answer was, that's such a great question. Why don't you ask your parents tonight, right? That's the only answer I can give. There's no right or wrong to that one, right? Right. There's a lot of opinion around that one, but it's not my job to give my opinion in that circumstance. So I think it's a really important thing for the adult recipient of a question that they know they shouldn't be answering to redirect. If you have a relationship with the family, also flag the family. Hey, you know your kid actually asked me a question that I did not answer. This is what I
0: said, but I I think you should know they're asking. They're caring. right. That's right. So I want to go back to the original source of the question, which is, you know, the concept of good words, okay words, anatomically correct words, <laughs> or conversations used in context that might not be so friendly to those words or topics. So. The vagina in the supermarket aisle is a younger kid example. But the idea of, okay, well, if this isn't a bad word, if I can use the anatomically correct language, um, or we can have these conversations, why can I only have it in some places and not in other places? And that is a very fine line. It's like similar to me, Kara, to the concept of like, well, if it's okay, if I touch myself, right? A little kid Identical. putting I, his hands on his head. Why is it only okay if I do it yeah. like in my room or the bathroom, but I can't do it at a restaurant?
1: Or why can I get in trouble at school for using
0: these words at recess? Yeah. Right. So this is, I think, really complex and it takes a little bit of careful maneuvering and it's going to differ depending on how old your kid is, what their personality is like, right? Are they being oppositional because they enjoy engaging in debate? Or are they genuinely curious because they're like, wait, if this isn't shameful, then what's the problem here? Um, So you have to figure out with kids, not only who you're talking to, but also what the context is in which your kids engaging in these, you know, shouting terms or touching their bodies or whatever. And And it's our
1: favorite question in the world, right? It's such an interesting question. What made you think of it?
0: Right. So Kara and you can channel Kara's Zen voice. That's such an interesting question. What made you ask that? You can totally you can totally do that. You can also say, "I know, it's a little weird and a little confusing, but there are just certain times and certain places where other people's comfort has to be taken into account." And kiddo, you might have a teacher who is not comfortable hearing the word penis and vagina in the classroom, even though there's nothing wrong with those words, right? Or you might be in a restaurant where like people are sort of wondering why we're having loud conversation about anatomical body parts. So, And it strikes me,
1: Vanessa, as you're describing this, that there is a second follow-on conversation that you may want to jump into if the opportunity arises. And that's Hey, these words are not bad, but there are actually some words that you can never say. And I want to make sure we have that conversation too. Our kids do need to know the difference between language that is not for public consumption at a certain age, right? Body parts, perfect example, and language that is never okay. Because you don't want to give them the false impression that there is no language, that is off limits, there is language that is off limits.
0: Yeah. And there's language that is racist and homophobic and demeaning and misogynistic. And if your kid comes home using those words or asking you about those words, you want to make it clear like you do with everything else. Hey, I'm not mad at you. And I'm not sure that you knew this, but I need to tell you that's actually a really offensive word. And the kid might even not be old enough to know what offensive means. So that's a really hurtful word. That's a very unkind word, right? You want to have the conversation with them in a calm way, because if you flip your lid, they're not going to be able to hear the guidance you're giving them about that language. All they're going to be able to think about is the fact that their parent or trusted adult is screaming at them.
1: And you may be able to introduce that concept under this umbrella. So these words are words that are totally fine. And, you know, we use them in our house all the time. Some families aren't super comfortable. Some adults aren't super comfortable. So I'm going to have you, you know, know that there are other words, and we could talk about it whenever you're ready, that are never fine. And I will make sure as you grow up that I'm clear with you about what those words are, because I don't want you to ever hurt someone intentionally or unintentionally with that language.
0: And I want to wrap with the question of kids who are getting a really robust health and sex education from home and who are friends or in school with kids who aren't. There's two pieces to that. One is, and you can go back to our episode about parenting without judgment and listen to that about everybody's going to choose to do this differently and at different times. And in no way do we ever want to disparage someone else's family for the choices that they're making about how and when they choose to educate their kids about bodies and sex and so on. But secondly, we need to let our kids know it's not their job to educate the entire neighborhood or the entire bus or the entire school about sex or porn or any of that stuff, that that's up to the adults in their lives. And we can be really open and have really meaningful conversations with our kids at home, but we have to reiterate to them, they are not the town crier. It is not their job to have these conversations. And my my daughter... (laughs) like 90% of the conversations we have at the dinner table, we then all turn to her and we're like, so this is not for repetition. Like the other night when my 12 year old was like, so guys, what is anal sex exactly? And so we (laughs) went through the conversation about some versions of anal sex. And then we looked at my daughter and we were like, so this is not for repetition. This is the conversation we're having at our table. And she's like, why do you guys always say that to me? And we're like, because you always then turn around and tell people. And she's like, no, I don't. In
1: medicine, we say in one ear and out the mouth. Yes, that's basically (laughs) our,
0: that's the Bennett family motto is in one ear and out the mouth. So it's okay to explicitly say to your kid, this is a great conversation. I love that we're having it. It is not your job to educate your friends on this topic.
1: I love that. And I hope that this answers the big broad question that was asked because it's a hard one. It's a tricky one and it doesn't have an absolute and concrete solution. There will be times we get listener questions where we get to record a three-minute response. This is not one of them. So write us, DM us, email us, communicate any and all of your questions. We will do our best to respond in some way, shape or form. If you don't get a note back from us, that's probably because you're gonna end up hearing a conversation about your question
0: on this segment. And as we always say to the kids and adults, that we teach. There is no dumb question. And if you are wondering about it, chances are lots of other people are wondering about it too. So don't self-edit and don't self-censor. Send us your questions. We absolutely love responding.
1: Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myumla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye.